Chapter 22 of The Knights of the Square Table This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins Chapter 22 Pooley's Pipe of Peace The skinny guy always thought he was the official spy of our gang. Ever since he joined us, he took it upon himself to scout around and find out what plans our enemy gangs were making to get even with us. So, after our regular meeting on Friday after school, the other boys went to Parks Hills to look for a Christmas tree to put up in our clubhouse Christmas Eve, and Link stayed with me in my little writing room. Hawkins, he said, I've been finding out some things for you. I've been up to the lonely house. I gave him a hard look. Breaking the rules again, I said. For the love of Mike, Link, you've got to cut it out. What's the use of us boys having rules if every one of us isn't going to live up to them? I know, I know, he said with a wave of his hand. But what good is a spy going to be for a gang if he can't do the things he has to do to find out something? Go ahead, I said. Tell me what you found out. Paulie's gang don't meet in the lonely house anymore, he said. I knew that, I said. If that's all you've found out, ever since those two tramps took to living in that house, there haven't been any boys meeting there. Oh, yes, they have, said Link with a triumphant grin. But not Paulie's. No knights of the square table ever goes there anymore. But, the boy you hate most. Who? I demanded quickly. Not him. Yeah, Long Tom, the old boy himself, and a pack of them, just like him, from Watertown. They made friends with the two tramps who live in that house. I sat still for a few minutes, tapping the desk with the tip of my penholder. Here was something for me to think about. All right, I said. But what have you found out about Pooley? If his Knights of the Square Table gang don't meet there, and Long Tom does, what's the reason? And, if you know so much, tell me where Pooley's gang has its headquarters. Link scratched his head. Now ain't that just like you, Hawkins, he exclaimed. You don't appreciate what I do find out. You just go asking me for more and more. Give me time, I'll find out. Right now I can't tell you. I'll tell you myself, broke in a strange voice behind us. We both turned our eyes to the curtained doorway. Between the curtains stood the leader of the Knights of the Square Table, dear old Pooley himself. He wore his whole outfit, square cap and the shoulder cape with a strange emblem upon it. His handsome, boyish face was clouded with a look of worry in his blue eyes. He was gazing straight at Link. You want to know, he said with a little nod. You wonder why the Knights of the Square Table no longer hold their meetings in their rightful headquarters. I'm here to tell you. Come in, Pooley, I said. There's a chair. Sit down. But he folded his arms upon his breast and remained standing. No, he said. I'd just as leave stand. I meant to come yesterday, but I didn't get a chance. I wanted to tell you, Hawkins, that Long Tom is no longer in my gang. Excuse me, I don't like that word for a bunch of boys. I'd rather you'd call them my knights of the square table. 
You've cut loose from Long Tom? I asked. Positively. He and I don't get along. Not only did I cut loose from him, but from all those he brought along with him. He'll not have the fun he used to have, riding on my ponies and having a brass band to march to in parades. Those things are in my outfit, Secretary Hawkins, and I'd like to settle this thing once and for all. We don't want to fight you and your boys who meet in this clubhouse. There's no quarrel between us. But there is a quarrel between me and Herba Combe, and all I ask is that you let it alone. Don't get your boys mixed up in it, and mine won't, I promise you. Can't we look at this thing sensible at least? I chewed the end of my pen holder for a minute. Herb's a member of our club, I said at length. And this club of ours, Pooley, was made just for that very thing, for boys to stick together always, and to do the right thing or nothing. Yeah, but the right thing in this fight... The right thing in this fight is for us to stand by Herb. We won't let the Knights of the Square Table take out their spite on Herb. If you meet him alone sometime, and he's willing to fight you fair fist, go to it. But this gang business, and that kidnapping thing? The night you took him away in that old hack? It was to be fair and square, broke in Pooley. Let's all see it then, I cut him short. If it's to be fair and square fighting, let it be open fighting, according to the rules, with boxing gloves. None of that monkey business, Pooley. It won't go here. We haven't such a big and fancy gang as yours, but damn if we can't take care of ourselves and the boys that belong to it. You just think that over for a minute, will you? Pooley bit his lip. All right, he said. I'm big enough for you, Hawkins. I'll meet your terms fair and square. I'll show you my hand every time I start something. I'll let you know everything. You say your gang is easy to pick on because everybody knows your meeting place. All right, I'll tell you ours, so we will be fair and square on that. We meet in the old mill. I looked up. Isn't it haunted? I asked. We're not afraid of haunts, he said. I smiled as I remembered the time I saw his gang scatter when they saw that suspicious-looking light in the second-story window of the round tower of Lonely House. And Long Tom? I inquired. Where does his gang meet? Pooley shrugged his shoulders. I ain't supposed to answer for any but my own, he said. But if it will help you to know, I will tell you. Long Tom knows one of the men who took to living in the Lonely House. I'll tell you something else. Since they made friends with those men, chickens have disappeared from the farms around the creek. Ask your Roy Doble, ask Rube Muller, or any other fellows you know. Ah, I said, so that's the kind they are, eh, Pooley? Tell me, have you ever seen the least thing of an old grey man sitting in the round tower of Lonely House on nights when I thought Pooley would faint? He turned pale. You mean the butler, he exclaimed in a hushed voice. You have seen it. You have seen him too, then. In the round room, reading yellow papers, a hundred of them. I smiled. I'm too fat to believe in ghosts, Pooley, I said with a little laugh. <laughs> you know, somehow or other fat boys don't get fooled so easily. Bet your last nickel that old man isn't a ghost. He is as real as you are.
When did you see him last? Pooley seemed a bit ashamed at showing fright. He straightened up as he answered, I saw him many times, but since the other two men have come, the ghost hasn't shown himself. I see what you mean, I said. You think, then, that those two men have been trying to make people believe that the lonely house was haunted? Now, why would they want to do that, Pooley? Pooley looked me straight in the eye. How should I know, he retorted. And at the time, I said to myself, this Pooley boy knows a heap more than I thought he knew when he first came in. All I came for, Hawkins, was to tell you this, that the Knights of the Square Table will work with your club any time you want, to beat Long Tom and his gang. That's fine, I said. Forget your quarrel with Herbacomb. Don't make a gang fight out of it, Pooley. I promise you that, he said. I see now where I was wrong. That's a personal fight, isn't it? Just between Herb and me. If you want to be fair and square, I said, that's the way to look at it. If you ever meet Herb alone, you two can mix it up to suit yourself. But if there's another boy in it, I'll tell the world you ain't fair and square, as you say you are. He nodded. Goodbye, then. And he held out his hand. I shook it. He turned to Link. You, skinny boy, you made me mad lots of times. I don't know whether you want to shake hands with me or not. Suit yourself, said Link with a grin. Pooley's face softened. A smile played around his lips. You're a smart kid, he said. I wish you belonged to my outfit. Wish you belonged to ours, said Link with a grin, as he took Pooley's outstretched hand and shook it honestly. Without another word, Pooley went out. I had to laugh to myself as I closed the door behind him and came back to my desk where Link sat shaking his head. Another kid gone wrong, he said. Hawkins, that Pooley has good stuff in him. Gone wrong, I said. Why, Lincoln Lambert, you don't know what you're talking about. That Pooley fella is one of the finest that ever walked this old riverbank. And he's smart, too. Don't you go fooling yourself. You're going to hear a lot about Pooley someday. And believe me, you're going to think he's a pretty fine boy. Well, you please tell me how he came to have ponies for every boy in his gang. Tell me how they have a brass band and all that fancy costume stuff. That's what I want to know. Why don't we go up to Watertown and ask some questions and find out who he is? What good would that do, I asked. What would we make by doing that? Link kicked his heels against my desk, on which he had climbed. Not a thing, he admitted. Suddenly there came to us the sound of the brass horn, two blasts, ringing clear. Long Tom, cried Link, springing up. The door burst open. Little Perry Stokes came in, all out of breath. Don't worry, he cried. We beat him, Hawkins. We beat him, sir. Where are the other boys? I asked quickly. Have they had a fight, Perry? With Long Tom? Tell me, quick. There was a fight, said Perry, between deep breaths. Jerry Moore has a black eye, sir. He was foolish enough to stand and fight. The rest of us all ran, sir. I ran fastest, sir. I see you did, I said with a smile. How far behind did you leave the others? They're all coming, sir, but they had to leave the Christmas tree behind, sir. Long Tom's boys got it. There was one boy with a scar on his face, sir. 
but just then in rushed the rest of our boys. Jerry Moore was the last to enter, and he slammed the door behind him and drew the bolt. Then, when he turned, I saw. What a beautiful black eye he had. It was the tall boy with a scar on his face, said Jerry to me while all the boys crowded round. Hawkins, you never brushed up against a harder nut to crack in your life. Looked like I would have easy sailing, but he punched me before I knew it. Look at this eye. Where can I get a hunk of raw beef to put on it before I go home? Gosh, my pop'll whip me if he sees this. He told me I'd better not fight any more. Then, after the excitement died down and we found that Long Tom and his followers of the Brass Horn had not persevered to the clubhouse door, they told me the whole story of how they had cut the Christmas tree they wanted and had dragged it along, how the tall boy with the scar had popped out of the woods and a dozen followed behind him, how the tall boy with the scar had put the horn to his lips and blown two blasts, and in five seconds Long Tom's gang had come from every direction. But, I broke in, this tall boy with the scar cannot be Long Tom. We know him too well. It wasn't Long Tom, said Jerry. I wish I knew who he was. For a few minutes we stood still, looking at Jerry's scowling face and fastly swelling eye. Well, I said, I suppose we will have a chance to find out soon who the tall boy was. The main thing to do now is to get a piece of raw beef to put on that black eye. We'd better go right up to the butcher shop and get it. Which we did. End of chapter 22